Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Listen, I need to jump right in. Um, we have been doing this series in, in uh, entering into the tabernacle. And I know to some of you the tabernacle is just, just a weird word or just that thing that happened in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. Um, but it, it's actually profound. And there's a reason the Lord spends a lot of time talking about it in Scripture. Because His goal, His goal was always to be with you. And for you to be with him in, in his presence. And, 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 and this tabernacle, I mean, the Garden of Eden, Eden was the first uh, model, but then this tabernacle is like, this is how my presence is going to be with you. And so, and, and so uh, we're looking at the different pieces of this tabernacle, which Hebrews tells us is, is, a, is a pattern, is something that's in heaven, which is why they were told, don't veer from the instructions. Make it exactly as I'm going to tell you. Because it's profound and there's something there that you don't get. In fact, one of the lessons is, I know you don't understand why you need to build it this way, but just obey. Just do it, because it's something more profound than you understand. Uh, And so uh, we've been looking at the the tabernacle, We've we've been entering in. Last week we talked about the table of showbread, which would have been on our right hand side. Today we're going to turn around. I've been excited to share this message all week. And I do warn you. There's like 14 messages in one here, and, and so, like, honestly, I, we could get sidetracked, and I could, spend, I could spend a couple of months just talking about the golden lampstand, because it's so packed with meaning, and so, honestly, my, my goal is, because I've, I've read all about it, I've seen, and I'm like, Lord, I have to lean in, what, what are you highlighting for us right now? Because we could go over all sorts of amazingly good things, amazingly symbolic things, but what is it that we need to give us life today? And so I, I'm going to kind of highlight a bunch of things. And I want to warn you, the Holy Spirit will speak some things to you. And you're going to say in your heart, whoa, 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 stop there for a second. And I'm going to blaze right past it. And that's okay. I want you to know that this, this isn't an exhaustive lesson. And it's, hopefully it will just whet your appetites to, to the point where you'll be like, well, I'm going to go ahead and read that and study that up on my own. And that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully your, your appetite is wet for the word today. So, um, so that, that's what we're going to do. I get, trust me, I'm just as frustrated as you when there's something with so much meat there. And I'm like, I have to jump over that. And I don't get to highlight that. Let the Holy Spirit highlight it and set, solidify it. So I, I want to say that. I also want to say if you're here today and you are hoping for a, a, a Father's Day message, you're in luck. All right. Uh, actually, so we're looking, at, we're, set, we're looking at the golden lampstand. This isn't a Father's Day message. I'm going to give you one morsel that you can chew on for Father's Day and take with you. Golden lampstand, seven, seven, uh, seven lamps on the stand, and, uh, and, and seven's a pretty big, uh, big deal here. Um, I want you also to picture this. The walls of the tabernacle were gold. It was wood, but they overlaid it with this gold. The, the, can, the candlestick, the, the menorah was the only light in that tent. And just imagine the gold glow that it would reflect, 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 reflect all over that thing. It would be 
it would be something to behold. But if you wanted a Father's Day message, here's your one Father's Day verse that you can chew on and take home with you. James 1.17, in light of the golden lampstand, the only light source, says this. James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And I'm not going to expand upon that. So enjoy that little morsel. That's sermon number three for you today. Uh, Enjoy that. But let's pray as we lean into this today. So Father, thank you so much that your word is so profound, so good that we could read it over and over and over again and you show and share new things and shed new light, Father. So we thank you for your word that is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. Amen. Yes, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. There's sermon number five for you. We're not going to go into that today either. I apologize, but you can chew on that one too. Oh, so let's look at the golden lampstand, the menorah. Uh, I'll throw this first picture up of, uh, yeah, so there we go. I put my little menorah down here. Um, it's nowhere near that size. That's just a little, that's like a bite-sized sample. Um, the, the golden men- the menorah, the lampstand would have been about five or six feet in height. Uh, it, w- it weighed close to 100 pounds, somewhere in that, in that realm, depending on what, you, what a talent uh, was. And so it, w- it was a pretty big, big piece of furniture. Um, this is the only thing in the, in the entire tabernacle that was supposed to be solid gold. Okay? Uh, the table was, was, uh, was wood, and they overlaid it with gold. Even the Ark of the Covenant was wood, overlaid with gold. The, the walls was wood, overlaid with gold. The menorah, however, the golden lampstand, was to be made specifically out of a solid piece of wood, hammered wood, excuse me, gold, I said wood, gold, hammered gold, okay? This took a very skilled craftsman. It wasn't as simple as as forming uh, six branches and one lampstand and then, you know, screwing them together or welding them together. No, it had to be perfectly made out of one solid piece, which is why the Lord anointed people like Bezalel with the Holy Spirit, filled them with craftsmanship, where they could do these things that I'm like, I, I, I couldn't do that. So uh, it, 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 exists, it consisted of one, one solid lampstand with six arms, and each arm uh, went out as all solid one piece that created seven lampstands, all right? Um, let's see, what else do we need to know? Speaking of seven, a number we're not going to go into today, but seven is a profoundly important number in the scripture that would certainly intimately connect with this lesson, seven days of creation, uh, seven spirits of God. You, uh, you, could, you could go into all sorts of those things, so just, just enjoy that. Sermon number seven or eight, you could preach that one on your own, all right? On each of the branches, there were three almond blossoms. They were, sh- they were to be shaped as almond blossoms. Imagine hammering out an almond blossom. Uh, and on the middle one, there was four. Another sermon, the fourth day of creation is when he created the sun and the stars. And that's right in the middle there. We're not going into that either. <laughs> sermon number eight, all right? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm trying to give you a highlight, a sampling. Um, so almond blossom, why the almond blossom? The, the Hebrew root word for almond, or actually almond is the Hebrew root, root word for diligence. Because it's the first blooming thing after winter. And so it's a very important symbol of, uh, of, of, of blooming and being diligent and all of that. There's sermon number nine for you. We're not going into that one either. If you're frustrated, say amen, all right? If not, awesome. You're, with, you're, you're awesome. All right. 
Okay, so this is, this is the golden lampstand, and, and I've, I've just given you a quick little highlight tour of, of this thing, um, and uh, like I said, five foot six, so whatever. And also you need to know, this is not the Hanukkah menorah. Okay, the Hanukkah menorah, so you know this one has seven, seven uh, branches, arms, seven arms. The Hanukkah menorah actually has eight with one in the middle, that makes nine. There's a, there's a reason, and this is a whole other sermon that I'm not going to get into today about the Maccabean revolt and what happened and why Hanukkah is important is during the Maccabean revolt, they only had enough oil, a holy anointing oil, for one day of the temp- keeping the menorah lit. It was to be lit continually, seven days a week, all day, never to extinguish, like the eternal flame. They had enough oil for one, one day, and uh, it lasted eight days. It was a miracle. That's why they call it the Festival of Lights. It was, it was actually very prophetic and pointing to something else that I'm going to show you later. But again, the whole history of Hanukkah and the Maccabean Revolt, there's a sermon for another day. All right. So, let's, let's talk about how you ministered. You walk into the presence of God, into the holy place. But what do I do? The high priest's job was to morning and evening come in and one, well, first of all, understand this. The menorah was a lamp stand and it had seven arms. On it were placed a lamp, okay? It's a different thing. It would have been a lamp like this. You fill it with oil, a wick coming out, and it would have been lit seven days a week. The priest's job in the morning, first thing, come, they should have all still be lit because you kept oil in them overnight. To come and you, you uh, take your golden tongs and you trim the wick. Now, it was his job to trim all the wicks and make sure and refill them with oil. Okay? He did that in the morning. He did that in the evening at sundown to make sure it was always lit. This was an act of worship. This was pointing to something that, 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 that was profound and was important to me. Or to, the, to the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Amen? Psalm 113.3. In the morning, the rising of the sun, trim the wick, fill the oil. To the setting, going down of the same, trim the wick, fill the oil. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I mentioned this before. You weren't to fill this with regular lamp oil. You had to fill it with the first press. Now, Again, I could preach a whole other sermon on this, and I apologize. I'll give you a quick Cliff's Notes version. I have talked about this before. To make olive oil, the anointing oil, they would put it under a press in a basket, all the olives, and they would add one weight to it. The first oil squeezed out was the anointing oil. It was the holy oil. It was the pure oil. Not a ton came out because you only put one weight on there. Now that would be scooped up and it would be kept for anointing. It would also only be kept to light these lamps. Keep that in mind. The anointing oil and the lamp are the same oil. Which is why when you get to Hanukkah and the festival, they probably had plenty of cooking oil, but how dare you put cooking oil into the, into the golden vessels. The next, the next press, where you'd add more weight, more oil would come out, that was your cooking oil. That was the stuff you could use. Excuse me, no, I apologize. No, yeah, yeah, that was the cooking oil that you'd put in your food and all of that and cook with your food. Then you'd add one more weight, you'd have more. Every, every time you add more weight, more goop comes out, more stuff that's not actually oil. It's less pure, right? You get more olive guts and whatever else is in the olive press pouring out. So that third press was actually to put in your lamp oil. That was the dirty oil. It's okay, we're just burning it anyway. But not in the holy place, not in the tabernacle, not in the golden lampstand, not in the menorah. 
you, uh, you have to put the anointing oil. So put a pin in that one. Enjoy that. How many people have a, a thousand questions already or a tangents you'd like to go on? Yes, me too. But we're going to lead in a couple more things, just historically what happened. So if, first of all, let me just say this. If God was concerned about people uh, stealing our holy objects, he wouldn't have told them to make it out of pure gold, right? Like, imagine if you just raided Jerusalem. <laughs> There's a five-foot-tall, solid gold candlestick. What are you going to take? So sure enough, when the Babylonians uh, took over and, and the Jews were taken into captivity, um, we're fairly certain they took the menorah with them into captivity. Now, when, uh, when, when Nehemiah, as, when they came back, when they were released from captivity, 70 years later, there's a list of all the things that were returned to the temple. All these golden plates, golden, all this stuff. The menorah's not listed in there for some reason. Which leads us to guess and to speculate that probably the Babylonians kept that for themselves. Most likely melted it down into something else. Um, maybe not. Maybe they, maybe they were really kind and they sent it back. Could have been. Of course, we also know seven, in 70 AD when Rome sacked Jerusalem and it was all done, we, uh, they, they took all the golden objects out of the temple as well. So whether, whether it was remade to, according to the specifications in, the, in Exodus or whether it was the original, we know. In fact, you go to Rome today, there's this arch called the Arche de Triomphe, right? The Titus Arch. I'm um, going to throw that up there. This, this was made in commemoration of when Titus, the general of Rome, took and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and subdued uh, Israel and brought back on the Arch of Triumph, there is this picture. The Romans carrying the golden menorah on their shoulders. Um, from that point, we, we're not sure what happened to it, although lots of, lots of historians said it was on display for a while, and then it was taken from Rome. All, all of that to say, we're not really sure what happened, but we are certain it never made it back to Jerusalem. Um, we do. We assume that then they made the, the Israelites made another one at some. Well, no. At that point, it was all gone. All that to say, I just wanted you to know, it's probably gone. It may be in my ring right here, melted off. I, I don't know. And I also want to say that it's not that important. It's not that important where the things were stolen and taken to, because nothing's lost in heaven. And it was just a pattern of something that already existed, and God didn't stress out about it being taken from him. Because it was just a shadow, okay? So as a side note, if you're ever worried about things being taken from you, like, oh, this was important. Maybe it was, maybe it was a family member taken from you. Don't worry. He's got it. He's not stressed about it. He, he's secured. He's able to secure everything that you entrust into him until that day. All right, that was a side note, 17th sermon of the day. All right, here's what I want to lean into. And as I asked and I prayed to the Holy Spirit, what is it you want to highlight today? Here's where we're going, all right? There's two other instances where we come across the golden lampstand, the, seven, the seven-armed menorah in the scripture. One is, they're both prophetic in nature, all right? And, uh, and so we're going to lean into that. One is in Zechariah, where we see the golden lampstand in heaven from that perspective. And the other one is in the book of Revelations, chapter 1 through 3, where we see Jesus standing in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And, uh, and, and, and uh, he teaches a lesson, and he, he actually tells us that these are the churches. These are the seven churches. 
and then we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to touch on this. I can't, again, give you an in-depth uh, thing on each, each of the seven churches. But let's start here. In Zechariah, I want to I read this section with you. Um, I, I, it, up, up to this point, it may just still be a cool golden candelabra thingy, as it was for me most of my life. But uh, this, is my, this is my geek out moment of the day. All right, And if you're brand new to church, I totally get it. If this is like, I don't care, I apologize, but I get pretty geeked out about this stuff. And let me trust, let me just tell you that there is some simple truth that the Lord wants to teach you today, if you'll let him, all right? Even in this weird golden candlestick stuff, um, it means something for us. It's a pattern in heaven. It's an access to the throne of God. So we're going to turn to Zechariah chapter 4. In context, here's where we are in the context of things. The Jews have been in an exile. They've been released. They've come back to Israel. Zerubbabel is the governor. He's actually a descendant of one of the, of the kings of Jerusalem. But now he's just a governor because he's still, they're under the, the, the thumb of, of Persia and the Babylonian system and all of that. But uh, Zerubbabel comes back. They're rebuilding the temple. Of course, they have to rebuild the menorah. They got to rebuild the ark. Well, I don't know about the ark. The ark didn't come back. They had to rebuild the table. All of these things, they're rebuilding them. All right, Zechariah was a prophet and a priest in this day. This is the era in which he was prophesying, which the Lord was speaking to him and, to, and using him. And here's what I love about Zechariah. His name literally means God remembers. God remembers. And so his message, when you read Zechariah, it's, it's a lot of this, don't do what we did before. Don't do it like we did before. He's the Lord's trying to encourage them through through. Uh, Zechariah, and he's like, here's how you're to do it now. Don't do it like you did before, because that led us to captivity. And so the Lord's trying to, to bless them with, it, with these messages from Zechariah. Do not do it, uh, what you got you in there in the first place. So he gives Zechariah a series of visions, prophetic visions, and we're, gonna, we're going to just go into one today and not even in depth, but praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit can go in depth. All right, Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3, and it says this. Remember, this is a vision, a prophetic vision Zechariah is having. It says this, Now the angel who talked to me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I'm looking, and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are, are, are by it, one at the right and the bowl uh, of the bowl and the other on its left. Okay, press pause and everybody look up. So I often come to places like this in scripture and blaze on through because it's like another list, another description that's a little, whoo, I don't get it. Lord, what are you speaking to me today? Uh, and, and, and that's not what we're going to do here today. Zechariah is very clearly seeing the golden lampstand. Seven arts obvious clear to him but there's some things in this prophetic vision that have been added to the golden lampstand that confuse him which is why he's like what are these things okay so he sees this uh, well in fact i'll throw a picture of it this is the vision that god gives zechariah he's seeing something uh, profound now we know that the, the menorah was a symbol of something in heaven in zechariah's vision next to the golden lampstand are two olive trees and floating over top of the menorah is a bowl the olive trees are providing oil to. From the bowl, there are seven pipes going down to each of the lamps. 
continually filling them, continually keeping them filled with, it would be like, let me just liken it to this, because we're all excited about gas prices right now. <laughs> the vision would be like this, I know what my Jeep Wrangler is, and I know even more now that it costs $100 to fill my tank, maybe the Ford Focus wasn't such a bad thing, but it would be like this, I have, I know what my Jeep Wrangler is, but imagine this, Imagine if floating above my Jeep Wrangler at all times is an oil rigger, an oil refinery, and a gas pump. And from that point on, I never have to fill my lamp again because it's being continually supplied with the fuel that it needs. This was the prophetic vision of Zechariah. The Lord was trying to teach them don't do it like you did before. There's something I want. In fact, this is a prophetic declaration about things that are coming. So let's keep going in Zechariah. Because now, now you'll understand why Zechariah was confused. Because he knew what the menorah looked like. It was a symbol of his people now at this point. It was a symbol of the priesthood. They knew. They were trained. They, they trimmed the wick. They filled it every single day. It was their job, the high priest's job. So I answered the Lord, we're in verse 4 now, and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? In my, in my interpretation, he's like, he's talking about the trees and the, the bowl and all that. Maybe he was still confused about the menorah itself, I don't know. He's like, I don't get it. It's not like our golden lampstand that I remember, or that I was told about. Then the angel who talked with me answered to me and said this, don't you know what these are? <laughs> I love it. Like, you've got to read the Bible with a sense of humor. He's like, what are these? And he's like, don't you know what they are? No, I wouldn't have asked if I did. <laughs> and I said, no, my Lord. So he answered to me and said this. This is the word to the, to, of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In a nutshell, this is what I believe the Lord wants to share with us today. Because I think... In our toil and in our effort, we've become a bunch of wick trimmers and oil squashers. And we've come into a belief somehow that it's our duty to go and work and toil and make sure this thing happens. This is what got Israel into trouble in the first place. Instead of doing their duties just in faith, maybe I don't fully understand it, they're like, I'm doing something profoundly amazing. And the word to Zerubbabel, the new governor of Israel, don't do it like you did before. It's not by your strength, not by your power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. This is the point I want to lean into a little bit today. The odds are against us. Uh, I gotta re we got to rebuild Jerusalem. We don't have all the military might. We don't even have a lot of money now and all these things. Oh, and can you imagine the stress? Yeah, maybe we get the walls up. Maybe we get the temple up. But how are we going to maintain this? We've got Egypt down there. We've got, we've got uh, the Babylonian. We've got all these people. Ah! Not by strength, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. It's not about your abilities. It's not about how well you can fortify yourself and how well you can trim those lamps. It's about the Spirit of God and simply trusting and leaning into Him. Reestablish Israel by that. What is the oil? The oil is 
the Holy Spirit. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The, specifically, the anointing oil. You're anointed by the Spirit of God. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. What are the seven lamps? They're the church. It's you and me. The church. Now, I realize you think this building is the church. No, no, no. This is a building that we part of the church operates out of. We're, we are part of the church. We might be one of the seven flavors of the church. I don't know, but we are all. You and I individually and especially corporately are the church. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The lamp is the church. How do I know this? I want you to see it specifically. Revelation chapter 1, as I said, the golden menorah shows up again as John is getting this revelation about, about Jesus Christ. And he sees Jesus standing there in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And in his hands are seven stars. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but this is cool. <laughs> I don't know what he, if he said that or not, but I would, have been, I would have thought it was cool or I would have been scared to death. So, of course, he's talking to the Lord and, and asking him questions. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 2, Jesus explains and says this, The mystery of the seven stars with which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. I believe the church is a pattern of what exists in heaven. And it was prophesied way back in the day of the tabernacle, in the day of the temple, and we are the temple. We are the lamp. We are the light. What is it? I don't have time to, to preach my six-month uh, sermon series on the seven churches and what the Lord said specifically to each of them. But in a nutshell, don't forsake your first love. Love God. In hardship, be strong. Allow One of the churches is like, you've allowed the teaching of Balaam to come in and the Nicolaitans, which means only living for yourself and putting yourself above others and being a stumbling block to others. Uh, number four, fourth church, you are listening to Jezebel, whose name ironically means chaste. And in that church, he's like, you're, you've been listening to Jezebel, who's led you astray into sexual immorality, and her name is chaste. How appropriate. Calling things that are immoral, sexually chaste and appropriate is, a, is one of the drawbacks and the, the pitfalls of the church. And the Lord is inviting to that church, come back into authenticity and to the truth. Another church, he just says this, wake up! You've fallen asleep, wake up! To another church, he says, I know you're weak, but you haven't denied the name of Jesus. Because of that, there's now an open door above you that nobody can shut. Strength. To the seventh church, he said, you are lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out. You think you're rich, but you're poor. He's like, get hot. Stir up the fat, fan the flame of the gift of God. There, there, is, there is something to, be, to thinking you have all that you need that makes you fall asleep. That was the message to that church, that seventh church. You think you have everything. You think you're rich, but you're poor, blind, naked. Repent. All of these things, again, I, I'm preaching 100 sermons in one, but to the seven churches, which I think encapsulates all of us, he's simply saying this, stop relying on yourself. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Not by strength, not by might, but by my spirit, declares the Lord God. This is the message of the golden menorah. This is the, the access point. It's not your strength at trimming wicks. It's not your ability to create the nice oil. Hanukkah was even a prophecy of this. It's not by you. It's by my spirit. And that spirit gives you 100% access to the throne room and the presence of God at all times. And he does not withhold his spirit if you'll ask him. Stop relying on yourself. You are, okay, no, Jesus says this to us. Now we know Jesus is the light of the world, but he says very specifically in Matthew 5, 14, he says this, he looks at his his church, you and I, believers, and he says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill, which can't be hidden. No one lights the lamp and, and sets it under a bowl, hides it under the, no, you set it out in front for all to see. You're the light of the world. Now, everybody look at me. You are the light of the world, but you're not the oil. You go out there trying to in a blaze of glory on your own, in your best strength, and all you can do, you will burn out. Even with your best, amazing, wonderful intentions, you are not the oil. You are in desperate need of the oil. If you do not remain, continually poor in spirit, posturally, like, Lord, I need your spirit. I need your spirit today. I'm feeling super confident, but I need your spirit. I'm ready to face the world, but boy, I need your spirit. Oh, Lord, I'm not enough. I can't do it. I quit. I need your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. It's not by strength. It's not by might. It's by his spirit. You're probably facing lots of things that you feel are too big for you. Praise the Lord. It's not for you. It's for His Spirit. You are the wick. You're the lamp. If you will say, fill me, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. That's, you see, the oil is what connects you to the presence. Not the gold. You're the vessel. You've got to stay connected. And he's, he's set forth this. You've got olive trees on both sides. By the way, you read on. I can't go into this either. He says these two olive trees are the two witnesses. And we're not <laughs> There's a profound. And that goes into Revelation 2. There's something profound about witnessing and, and stepping out and sharing your faith. I, I could go into a thousand sermons there. But know this. The oil is the Holy Spirit. You access him by asking and saying, staying dependent and be, being filled with him. And then you are the light of the world. What is the lesson of the golden lamp strand? Teamwork makes the dream work. You're also not the only candle in the candelabra. So stop pretending you are. That's why there's seven churches. There's lots of us. And we all need the Holy Spirit. All testifying together. Not by our strength, not by our power, but by the Spirit, declares the Lord. Every time you see a gas pump and it's $5, $6 a gallon, I want you to remind yourself it's not by strength, not by power, but by His Spirit. And fill yourself up. Fill yourself up. My question for you today is, are you weary? Are you weary? There's oil for you today. There's a reminder. It was not your battle to, be, to face. 
not without the Holy Spirit anyway. He has prepared everything. Your job is to remain dependent on him and just say, Father, fill me more. Fill me more. I don't, I, I don't know if I can light this path. I, actually, I know I can't. I know I can't do this, which is a good place to be. So fill me with your Holy Spirit who can. And I'll just keep, I'll, if I just keep the fuel going, the light keeps on going. The path keeps on going. The light. So then when I walk into dark places, I, if I walk into dark, dark places in the world without the Holy Spirit, I will become dark very quick because they're all doing this to your candle. <laughs> right? Oh, it's a dark place. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Rely on him and walk on him. Don't do it on your own strength. Or you'll burn. You'll burn out. Are you weary? <sighs> Don't know if I can handle this anymore. Maybe somebody, I, I, need, I just got to quit. I can't do this anymore. The Lord would say, don't quit. Just lean in. Let him do the resulting. Let him do all that. You just be obedient. Be filled. If you're weary, let him accomplish something. In fact, I read this morning in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is a vain for you to rise early, to retire late, to eat the bread of anxious labors, for he gives blessings to his beloved even in their sleep. If you're losing sleep because of anxiety, you're probably missing out on some of the blessings that the Lord just talked about because you think you got to burn on your own. And he's like, deep breath, relax, set it aside, go take a nap. Don't quit, take a break, take a nap. Come into the Holy Spirit, be filled. Be filled with the oil. His, heaven's ref, oil refinery is constant and ready. And it's more than enough for all that we need. And is, we, we talk about Father's Day. Isn't that the heart of the Father? Isn't that, dads, isn't, isn't that, or shouldn't it be your heart? Like, I just want to, like, I know I can't make my kids follow the Lord, but you know what I can do? I can, I can be filled with the Spirit and light the path and walk it. And they get to choose if they want to follow. I can, I, that's, a heart of, that's a father's heart. You can't do it on your own. You are the light of the world, church, not just dads. You're a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Be filled. And your job, you don't have to change anybody, but you can go if you're filled with the Spirit and be a light where they can see the revelation. Oh, I'm way off track. And give the light to all mankind. I want to I end with this. Now bear with me here. Because um, some of you, this might make you bristle a little bit. And I, it shouldn't. I just want to say that. So take a deep breath. Today is also, a, a, we've made it a national holiday. Juneteenth, we call it. June 19th. And I want to I acknowledge that today and address it. And it, it. Because I was ignorant of what it was. But it's actually beautiful. And it's beautiful in relation to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. June, Juneteenth, it is not a celebration of the Emancipation Proclamation, which I thought it was. Oh, that's the day we freed the slaves. Emancipation Proclamation was signed into, into law on January 1st, 1863. Uh, awesome, great, wonderful. But it was not until 901 days later, June 19th, 1865, that finally General Gordon Granger 
read the first read the Emancipation Proclamation to the last group of slaves in Calveston, Texas. Imagine this. Imagine being in slavery, but you're free and you just don't know it. You're living in a nation where you're free, but nobody's told you. I mean, how obnoxious would that be? You were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. For the last 900 days I've been a slave and I didn't have to be? It wasn't until that general finally made it in there and said, this is what the truth is. Okay? It's a beautiful thing. And how appropriate is this? Because 2,000 years ago, the Lord signed an emancipation proclamation for all mankind. And there are people in this world that have not heard it. There are people in this world that don't, they're living in slavery and in bondage because there's no lamps that have come to their area and, said, and just shown them that there's a light here. You're free. You don't have to walk in it, but you're free if you want to be. Church, this is the lesson of the golden lampstand for us. If you'll stand with me today, and Stephanie, I'm going to have you come forward. I guess specifically what I'd like to just invite us to just bow your heads we've said a million things today preached 29 servants I don't even know how many and the Holy Spirit likely is highlighting something very differently that I'm not even talking about right now and so I want you to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you meditate on it write it down enjoy that but what I, I, I what I want to do is I want to I just talk specifically, if you're here and you're, you're, you're tired and you, you're weary. I believe the Lord wants to minister the oil of the Spirit to you today. If you're here today and you've, maybe you've thought of quitting, you just, you've said it's just too much. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with that anointing oil. I guess I'm getting this as well, like, it's Father's Day, and maybe it's because of that, but I'm just getting this picture of Bondo. <laughs> Bondo's a substance that you fill dents in, smooth out things so that they can look new again. I just want to say that maybe you had, a, you had gaps in your learning education. Maybe your parents weren't perfect. And as a result, there's maybe gaps in even your personality or how you re relate to others. And the Lord wants to say, I'm your Bondo. I fill in all the gaps. It's not by your strength to fix them and to learn your way out of it necessarily. Learning's good, fixing things is good. But he says, I, it's not by your strength, not by your power, but by your spirit. And so, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about any of those things, I want to invite you to come forward, find a place to kneel and pray. Some of us might come around and pray over you. But let's spend a few minutes in this. Whatever the Lord's speaking to you, you can do it where you are as well. At this moment, we're in the, pre the Holy of Holies, standing before that golden lampstand where the, the light of the world is filling us. If you want to spend time up here, please do. Stephanie, if you'll lead us in something.
nothing. We're nothing without you. Oh, we're nothing without you. We're nothing without you. We're nothing without you, Jesus. Oh, nothing without you. And strength for weakness. Oh, I'm nothing without you, Jesus. Oh, 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 Jesus. Nothing without you. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.